Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Out of the gates and we're ready to go. Outkick 360 is underway. Friday edition. Yes. It's a Friday that feels like a Friday. We Jeff. made it. We made it, Hutton. Yesterday felt like Saturday. It was two days ahead. <laughs> the week was just dragging along, just dragging me. I feel like I'm behind a mule getting drugged <laughs> all week to the finish line of this week. But today rightfully feels like a Friday. So I'm happy to be here. NFL divisional rounds kick off tomorrow and got plenty of great football in store looking forward to the matchups we'll preview that throughout the show john mcclain will be with us coming up in about an hour and 15 minutes from now uh can't wait to to chat all things uh, with all the games with with john mcclain again that's coming up in hour number two we kick off the show though with the greatest special teams player of all time steve tasker joins us from one bills live in orchard park in buffalo where the bills and Bengals are set to meet on sunday Steve, great to have you on the show as we kick off this afternoon preview. Hope everything is going well. Yeah, everything's going really well here. Thanks for having me on, guys. What is the atmosphere like in Buffalo compared to the playoff teams when you were going through year after year and the expectation that, well, the Bills season really started last weekend? Yeah, the regular season, I think, for most of this year was kind of a formality, which is, as if you looked at the uh, other teams in the AFC side of it, the Chiefs, the Bengals, and the Bills are all in the same boat. I think Jacksonville's probably pleasantly surprised, and maybe you can feel like they're playing with house money a little bit now, but nevertheless, they're making a run at it, and they've got every reason to think that may, they may be able to be one of those teams that could go into Kansas City and score with the Chiefs and kind of hang in there with them, maybe steal a win. Um, here in Buffalo, the excitement's at an all-time high. They got a lot of faith in the guys they've got on the field. Uh, the Bills, it's been a long time since anybody has outplayed this Bills team. Now, they've got a few losses, but um, when they lose, it seems to be by three or fewer points, and they look at themselves and say, man, we let that one get away, and their fans feel the same way. They're a tough, tough team to beat. And over the last 29 games they've played, they've lost five times, two in overtime, and the other three losses were by a total of eight points. Hmm. So they're tough to beat. And that's kind of the way they roll into this game. Certainly there's a lot of angst and issues with this Cincinnati team coming in. They uh, they go very deep at wide receiver, and the Bills secondary has been nicked up, and it hasn't been the same five guys as they thought it was going to be when the season kicked off. Uh, but they are getting a little healthier, and they feel a little bit better at it. And Cincinnati's offensive line is nicked up. So hopefully that'll give the Bills' defense a little bit better chance at defending the pass from the other end rather than the secondary. Let's stick with that atmosphere theme. Western New York is all Bills all the time. We know that, especially now in the playoffs. I think America is now Bills' country right now, Steve. I really think that this team has become America's team because of of not winning the Super Bowl ever, because people like the fan base. And now with DeMar Hamlin, if your team's not playing in these playoffs, we get the sense that football fans are really rooting on the Buffalo Bills to go all the way and win the Super Bowl. Can you feel that there 
within that Western New York bubble that there's a palpable amount of energy from fans all over the country that's now rooting for the Bills? Well, I think it's certainly gratifying, and certainly you can understand why with what happened to DeMar Hamlin and the the national attention it got. It happened on a game where 25 million people ended up watching it. There were 20 million people tuned in, and then when DeMar went down and it seemed like it was going to be something more so than we've ever seen before, 25 million more people tuned in to get it. Uh, It was a bad night, and it led to some very, very difficult days for this franchise over the next 72 hours after that game. They were. I, I don't know that unless they would have gotten positive news from DeMar's doctors and the Cincinnati doctors that they would have felt like they could have suited up and played against the Patriots the next week. It was a bad situation here in Buffalo, but they got through it. I still think there was a little bit of hangover last week in the Dolphin game. Uh, I don't think they were quite on point like you would like to see them. Uh, but this week feels much more normal. You can feel them stretching a little bit. Uh, the The attitude has been great from the get-go. And yeah, I think the atmosphere that, and the attention they got from the country really did go a long way towards helping this team heal up. Uh, I think it was a great sense of, there was a great sense of unity around our country that because of the climate we live in, political climate we live in, you know, unity is a kind of a rare thing. And I think it was a breath of fresh air for a lot of people to be unified for something that was so heartfelt and worthy. Uh, having said that, DeMar's got a long way to go. There's plenty of other people cheering for the Bengals and you still got to play these games. So whether the country's behind the bills or not, they've got a fan base that is never going to give up on them. And they still have to play a very good football team on Sunday at three. Spoken as a true player and competitor, Steve Tasker, former bills player, uh, now bills reporter joining us here on outkick 360. When you watch the bills play poorly and we've talked about it this week, they didn't play that well against Miami, but they survived. They advanced. Do you feel, as someone who follows this team so closely but also played the game, that, okay, we got that bad performance out of our way now, now let's go play well in the next one? Or do you watch it and get a little bit nervous that this team hasn't played all that great lately? Yeah, I don't think so. I don't really get nervous about it. I know they've they've got an enormous engine up here under the hood. Um They've over the course of this last season, they've been four and one in games where they turned the ball over three times. They're four and one in those games. The rest of the National Football League was 12 and 62 in games where one team turned it over three times. They only won 12 times and they were 12 and 62. The Bills have a big margin of error because of Josh and because of the way they can score and because of the quality of their defense overall. They don't give up big plays very often. They're really solid. They make great adjustments during game with a very veteran coaching staff, both offensively and defensively. They're just a tough team to get out in front of. And the way they played last week against the Miami Dolphins, I think a little of it, and a lot of people will point to Josh Allen throwing a couple of interceptions. I think one of them was a tipped interception where he's trying to get the ball to Cole Beasley. He's right on the money, but a guy got his arm in and bounced right into the hands of a defender. Okay, that's fine. And then the bad throw was the one deep over the top uh, that was really on a clear-out route that Josh was just taking a chance and thought it was probably going to be incomplete, but it ended up coming back the other way. Not just Josh, but then also you got a dropped a long dropped pass by Sha- uh, Khalil Shakir that would have changed that game. He also had a big drop. Uh, later in the game uh so a couple of drops which were a uh, drop touchdown by Dawson Knox in the end zone that was very close was called a touchdown and they took it off the board 
you know, you don't draw, you know, so two other guys have some mistakes that also uh, added to the mix. I think that's part of the reason I think they were still hanging a little bit from the emotional problems they had coming back from the DeMar Hamlin uh, issues. I still think they weren't 100% themselves, even through the week of preparation. And I think it showed itself on Sunday. I don't expect that to be the case this week against the Bengals. I think this is a team that will put its best foot forward. If they do, in this building here in Buffalo, that's a big ask for the Bengals to come in and beat them. Steve Tasker, our guest on Outkick 360. The big addition from last year's playoff team to this one was Von Miller defensively. He's, of course, out. Have Where have they felt his loss the most, and are we about to really see it this time of year? I think it's exactly what they hired him to do, is in late and close games, when the Bills have a lead and they're trying to get, get the ball back to put the game away, Von Miller has shown up defensively. He gets a timely sack when they need it. He pressures the quarterback into an interception when they need it. And certainly this is a team that only lost three games during the regular season, and all three of them were by eight, by three or fewer points. So, and Von Miller was there in a lot of games that put them on the side of the victory. Uh, in the last waning moments of the Kansas City game, Von Miller forces Mahomes into the waiting arms of Matt Milano to force the interception. Um, it's just he, his presence on the field, no question will be felt. But I think also, um, one of the things that he has brought to the table is his leadership and his coaching. He's got an an enormous amount of credibility in the locker room. He brought in a, a, a duplicate of the Lombardi trophy to the locker room and showed the guys and said, Hey, listen, you said you would do anything for this. Well, what about it? Uh, he's in meetings with these guys and constantly telling them, you know, not to blink, giving them not only technical information to his fellow D line mates, his de- defensive ends, a young a core of defensive ends the Bills have, but he's also a, it's a mindset of a champion that has done it twice with two different teams. So he has been an incredible leader still, even in the fact that he's been injured. He's been in the building quite a bit uh, every day, helping these guys and. Without him on the field, certainly they're going to feel that loss. But I think his leadership has given and led the young defensive ends on this team to play better than they have in the past. So uh, we likely won't talk to you next week. What do you think of the neutral site aspect of what could be Bills and Chiefs in Atlanta? Um, I go on and on about it. I, I get the reason reasoning for it. Uh, the canceled game, you knew when they were going to start tinkering with it, <clears throat> You knew it would never be fair. And certainly the Bengals have an enormous beef with what was taken away from them. And the Chiefs shouldn't have too much to complain about in the fact that they were given a bye week in the playoffs. Uh, The Bills were robbed of the opportunity to get the number one seed, something that they held going into that Monday night game. Um, So you knew it was, you know, not everybody was going to be happy with the decisions that were made after that game was canceled. But I think that the neutral site championship games, I hate to say it like this, but I think it's a matter of time before it's a norm. Um, Most people don't realize that the Super Bowl sites are not chosen quite at random. Those host cities put a bid in to the National Football League, and we're talking about money. Um, They, I would say it's, it's the same difference for the TV people. They don't care where the game is played. It's going to be the same television audience one way or the other. Uh, The only people that care are the two teams that would actually earn 
those championship home games, and that's 30 other franchises that don't really care that year. Um, and it's a chance for the league to put those championship sites out for bid. <laughs> so when you put it that way, I think it's only a matter of time. Uh, I could be wrong. The football guys may say, no way, you should be able to earn a championship game in your stadium. But it's been my experience that if there's a way to bring more attention and more uh, eyes toward a game, a neutral site game uh, may be a way to do it. And if it is going to happen like that, I think the league will take advantage of it. So I, I think these neutral site championship games are probably, in my opinion, an ine inevitability. Yeah, Pro Football Talk has a story right now. The headline is, the NFL is telling us without telling us that neutral site conference championship games may become the norm. How much does that devalue home field advantage when you eliminate a big step in that process, which would be the ability to host a conference championship game for teams? Does that change at all the mindset in the last couple weeks of the season if you don't get home field advantage throughout for a team that gets the number one seed? I know the buy is also in play with that number yeah. one seed, but what do you think about that, Steve? It might, the bye is that I think the holy grail of the whole thing is the bye week. Yeah. Certainly the bye comes with home field. Okay, I get that. And home field is an enormous advantage, but a bye week at that time of year is huge. Um, home field does make a huge difference. Uh, if you're looking for an equitable way to decide, and certainly the regular season should have a say in who get, you know, what advantages you can earn with the regular season. But if you're just earning the right, to go to the playoffs, I think it will, it will devalue a number of games at the end of the season, knowing that you can't get the one seed. Uh, let's start resting our guys and like take our bye week that we're not going to get early and go to the neutral site game fresh. Um, I think there's a little bit of that that could possibly do it, although the wild card in the divisional rounds being at home, that's a huge factor that will help a lot of teams. And But there are some teams that there are some games, particularly in this divisional round, that are so tightly contested, home field is the difference. So if you put those teams and those two teams on a neutral site, you may get a different result. And that's really the crucial factor that we're talking about. Impossible to uh, impossible to quantify that, which teams it would help, which teams it wouldn't help. But I think it's a real thing that needs to be considered. Steve Tasker, our guest. <clears throat> Excuse me, Steve. Um in terms of if we were ranking hierarchy for fans, just naming off NFL head coaches, I'm not sure where Sean McDermott would be listed, but I know he would be underrated. What is his top quality, and why do you think we overlook him as a football public so often when ranking the top the coaches in the NFL currently? You're talking about Sean McDermott? Yes. I think one of the things, the reason he gets overlooked, um, you look back and there are other years where he probably should have gotten coach of the year before he, before this year. Um, he's an outstanding coach. Uh, I think in 2017, when he took over and took a team that had been in a drought, a, a drought from the playoffs for 17 years, and just before the start of the season made a couple of trades and were openly accused of tanking by the media, and to get that roster to the playoffs for the first time in 17 years after being accused of tanking, that's a coach of the year in my eyes. Um, in 2020, the COVID year, when this team sprouted into a 12 and four, 13 and a 13 and three uh, team, uh, that was also another year. Uh, this one, with the mass shooting in Buffalo and 
in from the in the top store uh, here in Buffalo May fourteenth to um, the loss of a the sibling of of one of the players Dawson Knox lost his younger brother Luke uh, a college football player um, passed away in his dorm room then we had a massive storm here in Buffalo uh, over Thanksgiving weekend and another one over Christmas that cost forty plus people their lives. Uh, there's this community and this fan base and this team, and you guys know this, when you're in an NFL team, but particularly one the size of Buffalo in a market the size of Buffalo, the team plays an enormous role in public sentiment and what the team's and what that city's heart is. And the team held lived up to a great responsibility they have for unifying and being a leading voice in the healing and processing of these tragedies. In a conjunction with that, they're in the middle of a football season where they're the Super Bowl favorite and trying to win games every week. Sean McDermott has navigated his team through it. And then, of course, the DeMar Hamlin incident three weeks ago, uh, an unprecedented move in leadership by Zach Taylor and, of course, Sean McDermott to say, listen, our teams are not prepared to continue with this game. Unprecedented NFL history. And the league, to its credit, said, Good call. We back you. Go ahead. We're going to call this game. We're going to cancel it. Uh, huge amount of leadership in that moment, not only by Sean McDermott, but by Zach Taylor, by Terry Pagula, Mike Brown and their family, uh, and the league. It was really difficult and unprecedented moment in NFL history. And Sean deserves a lot of the lion's share of the credit for that. Um, so, yes, um, all of these things happened this year. These are the reasons why he should be considered as one of the great head coaches. But I think the guys who are driving the fastest race car don't get credit for being the best driver. And I think that's where people, a lot of people who just casually follow it, find Sean McDermott. Steve Tasker has been our guest. He's live from One Bill's Live there in Buffalo and in Western New York. Uh, Great to have you on, Steve. Hopefully, we'll catch up. Maybe a radio row. Who knows? Uh, if you're uh, if you're out there with the Bills, yeah, be nice. Uh, we'll catch up there again. And, and again, thank you for the perspective as always. America's team. Thanks, Steve. There he is, Steve Tasker. Um, um, Chad, you mentioned this before we had him on. He, we always love listening to him on CBS. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he does great work. Uh, you can hear it there in that interview. But I, I've always enjoyed for years and years listening to Steve Tasker talk football and. Our audience got a little sample of that in that interview. He's terrific. We will uh, continue our divisional round preview. We'll take a look at all of the matchups and some storylines across the NFL, including with Zach Wilson in New York. That's all next on Outkick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. 
So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Coming up, the NFL money line upsets for the divisional round, which is traditionally the most competitive football of the calendar year, of the sports calendar for the NFL season. Really looking forward to all four games. Kicks off with Jacksonville and Kansas City, followed by Giants and Eagles. We get the number one seeds playing tomorrow. And then Bills, Bengals will play Sunday afternoon, followed by... Cowboys 49ers on Fox, 6.30 Eastern. That's Chad's favorite game, my game, Bengals-Bills. I don't think we're going to be disappointed at all. I don't think you can really go wrong uh, with either one of those games. And I, I think the biggest surprise of the week would be uh, Chiefs-Jags being a terrific game, start to finish, right? But the, even that wouldn't shock me. It's a great weekend of, of, uh, of football. The Giants have never lost – uh, to an opponent three times in one season in franchise history. That's and they're 0 oh oh for their last nine in Philly. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, also, did you see where Trevor Lawrence has never lost on Saturday throughout his entire football life? That's a, the, yeah. a mind-blown moment just hearing that. I'm, I, yeah, okay. <laughs> Good for him. Uh, I get, don't think it matters one bit. You know, something like that. I know, but it's just a, it's a, it, a random... It is interesting, though, yeah. That's a, that's a great... Fact. Jags have won eight of their last ten games. The Chiefs handed them one of those two losses in this ten-game pack. The final score was 27-17, but the Jags were down 20 at one point in that game at Arrowhead back in Week 10. But they had comebacks in these eight of the last ten games where they had eight wins. Comebacks against the Raiders. They were down 17, came back and won. Came back by nine against Baltimore. They were down 10 to Dallas and won that game. Down 10 to the Titans, won that game. And they were down 27, of course, last week and came back to win. They got within reach of Kansas City when this all started, this stretch run started. Of course, lost. But they are a live dog tomorrow. Because of Trevor Lawrence and the way they're playing, the, the issue I have with them is they are very inconsistent throughout four quarters. And... The, the whole point of just rattling off these games, there have been slow starts for them to where they're trailing by nearly double digits in all of these. And then they end up coming back to win. I don't think they can do that in an environment like Arrowhead tomorrow. They've got to start fast. Yeah, I, I, uh, it, they're going to have to play great to win this game. Um, I, by the way, I really uh, I, I, this came down right before the show. I do not like the idea of neutral site conference no. championship games. I also acknowledge that it's going to be a huge payday for the NFL when they start to bid these things out. Gives them two more events to bid out to a city and make a lot more money uh, in their coffers by doing so. I just think it's a big mistake because those home conference championship games are alive. <laughs> Going back through the years, those, there are some great, great moments because you have a home field advantage for one team in that game. I think it's a big mistake. Uh, Lawrence, what, four picks on his first six possessions last week? And, you know, that 
they do that, they're they're getting boat raced. It was, I think, until yeah. right before halftime, he had more picks than completions. Or it was exactly the same. It's some, yeah. yeah, he completed like more passes to the opposition than his teammates. <laughs> and that was almost about halftime. I think it's into the second quarters before he passed that threshold to have five completions and four interceptions. Jacksonville has a lot of Ed Rush talent, too, to get after Mahomes. Can they disrupt him? Can they force Mahomes to play a style of game that Cincinnati forced him to play last year? In the AFC Championship game. Eagles and Giants. Chad, you mentioned it. Giants have never lost three games to the same opponent the same season. Um, but look, the Eagles are just balanced. Balanced throughout. Run game, pass game, defensively, among the top in the league. They've got multiple players with double-digit sacks. What, four of them? The first team to do that on an individual defense. I think this can be a close matchup. I didn't come close to picking the Giants to upset. I, I have a hard time really even imagining what this game is going to look like because if the Giants can channel offensively what they did against Minnesota, that's such a big if because I don't think they can against the Eagles' defense. Vikings' defense is not good. Uh, that's a big reason for the success the Giants had in that game offensively. Hutton, you asked me the question earlier this week, can Daniel Jones replicate that performance he had against Minnesota? I don't think that's going to happen. So then can the Giants' defense show up big enough and force some turnovers to have a chance in this game? I think that's what it's going to take on the road in Philly because of that balance you mentioned with the run game, with A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith on the outside with a defense that can pressure you also with Philadelphia. The Eagles are the better team, but I also keep going back to that game where right at the end of the season, you know, the Giants are resting some people and still had a chance to win, which leads me to believe this could be a really close game. Yeah, 22-16 was the final, and the Giants' backups played the majority of that game because the Giants could not improve their overall positioning for the postseason. Meanwhile, the Eagles needed to win if they wanted to wrap up the number one overall spot. Eagles are extremely tough. I think it's a, a very tough to beat a team three times in the same season. But with this Giants team, a lot has to go well in so many different areas. You don't have to play perfect against Philly because Philly has had weeks where they're not perfect by any means. But they're also, what you said about the Vikings is what I wrote down here. They're, that defense is not Minnesota. You know, they're, they're not a sieve for yards. And even if we do see a, a slow start for Philly... Normally, they pick it up in the second quarter. That's when they score the majority of their points. There's also nothing more Philly than if Philly could host an NFC Championship game and face the hated Cowboys mm. in an NFC Championship in Philly. Imagine that atmosphere with the hatred Eagles fans have towards all things Dallas and the Cowboys if that was your NFC Championship, an NFC East grudge match. And to think about I, Philly, if that if that happened, we're going to talk some 49ers-Cowboys, I know, but they would have gone through two NFC East rivals to get to a Super Bowl, if that was the case. Yeah, and I mean, that honestly, the way this season has played out, that's how it should be, with how stacked the, the division has been. I, again, I like Philly. I think it's closer than what people think. Um, I do think Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley can continue to play well. I just think the, the Eagles are not going to be as sluggish as what many people believe just because they had the bye week. And I think the big reason I, I'm leaning into that is Hurts is not on the injury report. 
no longer on there with the shoulder injury, despite being in a ton of pain playing in week 18, but he had the bye. Bills and Bengals on Sunday, 13-3 and against 12-4. and um, Of course, this game was canceled. No contest. Midway through the first quarter with DeMar Hamlin collapsing back in week 17. The Bills turn it over a lot. Steve Tasker just pointed to all this. They overcome those turnovers. I think this time of year, with the litany of turnovers that the Bills have been known for, they're going to allow Cincinnati to stick around in this game just based on extra possessions. I think the Bills' defense can get off the field on third down. They have all year. But, I mean, you give Joe Burrow the ball an extra possession or two or in what Josh Allen has been showing us, three, Cincinnati can come out of there with a win and they can then go on the road to Arrowhead and win that game too because they play extremely well against KC. Well, Steve Tasker brought us all those stats about all the turnovers for the Bills and how they've overcome those turnovers so many times, and it hasn't really mattered. I do believe it will cost them if that continues, if that trend continues against this Cincinnati team. The way they've been winning in the postseason the last couple of years. Um, I also think that whether it's because of DeMar Hamlin and everything around that or whatever, the Bills have not been good the last couple times out. So... You could look at that two ways. One is they didn't play well and they won a playoff game. That's not all bad. So maybe they got that performance out of their system. The other thing is when you couple that with the moment DeMar Hamlin went down, they're trailing in a game 7-3. to three. Cincinnati was driving at that moment. Don't know what's going to happen the rest of the game. A lot, lot of game left at that, at that time. I don't think they played particularly well against New England at home the next week. Two special teams plays, two special teams bust mm-hmm. by the Patriots with a run back from Naheem Hines, the difference in that game. They don't play well against Skylar Thompson and the Dolphins. This is now a, a disturbing trend for the Bills. They need to reverse that on Sunday. This is not an opponent that you go in and, hey, we might turn it over three to five times, but it'll be fine because we're the Bills. They may be good enough to do that and still score enough points to win a close game. I don't see that being the case in this matchup with Cincinnati. So, Hutton, I need to see the Bills play, look like the Bills again, and just go out and have a really good performance. I don't know what the point differential is when they had that really good performance, but I need to see them play well and not just say at the end of it, well, there's still some things to not like, but they did win. I want to see the Bills go out and be the Bills. What we know this team could be one time against Cincy, and to beat Joe Burrow... And the, the confidence this team has in this time of year right now, it's going to take a performance like that. Yeah, and I think both quarterbacks show up. Will, will the run game for Cincinnati be there? Because it's been extremely mirror opposite images of what we saw last year to this year with Joe Mixon in the run game. They, they need more consistency there because I do think Buffalo, for the most part, will eliminate the big plays. They've been doing that throughout the season defensively. And look, it goes without saying here because we've, we've hit it all week. Uh, Cincy's offensive line is battered. They're missing three starters in this game. So you've got backups playing, another rookie playing. This is uh, advantage Buffalo up front. But we still saw a, a Cincinnati offensive line that wasn't very good last year make it all the way to the Super Bowl. 49ers-Cowboys. By the way, what was the big issue with Cincinnati a year ago that was addressed this offseason? That was the only real stumbling block for them. It was protection yeah. of Joe Burrow and giving up sacks. So um, that, that's definitely one to watch in that game. So here we go with the, the 90s nostalgia. Cowboys 49ers. And for all of the critics 
of the Christian McCaffrey trade, I think it pays off Sunday between he and Debo, and it's been paying off. There but are think, critics of that trade? <laughs> for what they gave up, yeah. Hmm. For the, the guy who can't stay healthy, Christian McCaffrey. Now, I'll criticize it if they don't win the Super Bowl, right? Because that's a move. That's a Rams-like move. You know, you're going all in. Chips are in the middle of the table. If they go on to win the Super Bowl, no one's going to criticize it. Um, but, I mean, he's been good. Been I mean, they've great, been yeah. good. And, you know, they gave Debo Samuel the contract extension. George Kittle has been on fire. And Brock Purdy has been the talk of the league. Can he beat the Cowboys defense? Or will the Cowboys defense confuse him the way they confused Brady on Monday night? This is, this is my game of the week to watch. I, I think it's going to be terrific. I do think that the Cowboys defense is going to confuse Brock Purdy. Uh, I think that Dak Prescott, I know how he just played, but you're going to get a tougher performance because of the defense with the 49ers this go-around for Dak Prescott. He's not going to do what he wants in this game the way he did against Tampa. I just think this has fourth-quarter, dramatic, defensive football, big plays throughout the second half, but these huge moments for both Dak Prescott and the emergence of Brock Purdy, it's going to come down to the fourth quarter with these two teams, and it is going to be terrific theater throughout with these two these franchises that are historic that everyone knows. When you see those uniforms on the field against each other, you know what you're going to get. Hutton, I love this matchup, and I think it goes right down to the wire. <laughs> well, and then also consider, like, for all of the attention on Brock Purdy and whether or not he can – just protect the football against Dallas's defense. On the flip side, Dak Prescott led the league in interceptions despite just starting 12 games. The pressure's on him to be the franchise guy, and he picked a great Monday night to have his best performance against Tampa. And now he faces a 49ers team that's won 11 straight games and a defense that has allowed the fewest points in the NFL. Um, and, and also... Since Purdy has been the starter, they've averaged 33 points per game, the 49ers. Traditionally, over the last couple of seasons, the Cowboys' offense has put up points despite turning it over at a higher rate. They still get theirs. So I'm with you. I do think this is a fourth quarter, final possession type moment. It's such a big moment for both quarterbacks, obviously, in the divisional round. I do sit and watch Purdy, though, and I'm thinking, are we watching a guy who's going to be a star wherever he plays? quarterback or is this a product of the 49ers system and his surrounding cast that he could only do this here this game will go a long way in, in telling me the answer to that I think of what kind of quarterback Purdy's going to be moving forward in his career Chad do you find it surprising that seven out of eight head coaches left in the postseason have an offensive background no not one bit this is an offenses, uh, offensive league right now now the defensive co that's not a knock on defensive background coaches being head coaches in the league too because those guys typically know offense as well right um, but just the way the league trends we talk about it all the time the league's set up rules wise to benefit the offense so we shouldn't be surprised when offenses start doing things big big time things that are different than it was 20 30 years ago because the rule changes in the sport I think we see that trend with coaching hires across the league and we're certainly seeing it with these seven of the eight coaches that are still left competing. Now, the only one with the defensive background, Sean McDermott, prior to 2020. Also, uh, by the way, Sean McDermott, the one guy with the defensive background, the one guy that I picked before the season to coach the team to win the Super Bowl. That's still alive. So 
keep that in mind. That's a lot of people's favorite to win it all right now is the defensive coach. Through the 2020 season, so up until last year, four of the last six years, defensive-minded coaches finished with a better overall record, top to bottom. But prior to all that, it's really lopsided, lopsided offensive-minded coaches. But that was the trend. Like, you could, if, if we had a graph, you could see where defense and offense met and offense took off. And it's right around the time they started changing the rules for what is a catch, defensive pass interference, um, illegal contact, contact. Illegal contact. That's a big Protection one. of the quarterback. I mean, how many five-yard penalties for an automatic first down have we seen in the last two or three years in yeah. the NFL? Just, oh, that they're going to get someone for some illegal contact here on a third and 15. That's five <laughs> yards and an automatic first down. Just these enormously punitive calls and penalties that you see in the NFL. I, I was uh, discussing this with uh, my brother-in-law, in fact, in Nebraska, watching some bowl games. But he said that 10 yards for a holding penalty is his biggest complaint with the sport of football, that he thinks that's way too damaging, that it should be five too yards. Too punitive? Yeah, like, like anything else, you know, like a false start, like offsides, make it a five-yard penalty. Especially based on how frequently it's called. Yeah. I, and I, I kind of agree with him, but it also that, that's such a fundamental part of the game mentally that I have a hard time getting past that thinking that what if they changed that It made it a five-yard penalty. But it's it's for I also offensive think it's, league. That's the one thing in the defense is exactly. Advantage. It's the one thing you could point to and say, if you're a defensive guy, you're thinking, no, 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 no. Yeah. Do not change that. The one thing that actually benefits our side of the everything. ball. Do not take away our ten yard penalty <laughs> for an offensive lineman or someone holding on offense. Can't do that. But it did make me think when he said that. I thought, yeah, it is. Now it's got me thinking. It on is that. quite the drive killer. It's, it's less and less of a drive killer for teams that really know how to play offense and play it well, but there are plenty of teams that you see that penalty happen and you know they're not getting a first down. It's over. One holding call and your drive is over. You might as well punt it back. Let's quick kick. Let's bring the quick kick back to the game. That's the next step. Uh, coming up, we'll get into the details of some of the coaching interviews that are going on. We, we focused on the offensive-minded head coaches. Some of those head coaches we just showed have defensive coordinators interviewing for head coaching positions across the league right now. We'll tell you who those are. And I've got a money line upset for you that I'm going to be placing on these weekend's games. We'll dive in there and we'll take a, uh, Chad, we're going to take a gander at a parlay that you and, and Dylan hit last night, uh, which was well, incredible. Credit where credit's due. Our guy Dylan hit the parlay. I, I just I just played off of it. I looked at a man. I said, "This guy's about These to go teams. on a heater," and I said, "I'm gonna I'm gonna ride this man. <laughs> I'm gonna ride this man in his heater, and I'm gonna do it now. And we're gonna do it throughout the weekend." Dylan and, needed uh, a smoke afterwards. Dylan, by the way, he does. I'm gonna need one after this. Just talking about it. Uh, this weekend, he gave me another one to play for tonight that uh, we may reveal also. All right. But Dylan's on a hot streak we'll with it. some very obscure mid-major basketball games that you're going to want to know about. Yeah, Moneyline Upset next on Outkick 360. From 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us for Outkick 360. Chad, outkick.com slash bet. Outkick.com slash bet. Let's win. That's where you go to win. And with DraftKings, I am taking the underdog upset this week, the Cincinnati Bengals on the road in Buffalo. Bengals are poised to head straight back to where they were a, a year ago in the Super Bowl. And I, I buy into 
Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins. This is an, an opportunistic defense facing an offense that will turn the football over. Josh Allen, at times, will make the magic show happen, and at other times, tip passes and key breaks will go the defense's way. And I think Cincinnati, with an extra possession or two, comes out of this with a straight win in what is going to be a tight, physical, and really fun football game coming down to the wire. Give me Cincy on the road, and they advance to the AFC Championship game for the second consecutive season. I hope you're wrong. I could totally see it happening, though, exactly how you laid it out there. Do you have another one, or are you just going with that one? That's the only underdog I like this week. Um, the, The home team's strong favorites, I, I believe, based on this. And I, I look, every year, we, we will see a team that makes a run, right? Cincinnati of last year. Is that the New York Giants? It's likely the Cowboys, though, the team that is not the, the home favorite that goes. Did you see the ticket prices for that game, by the way? I did not. In, the, San, Fran, in, in Santa San Clara? Fran, or where yeah, they play? Santa Clara. The cheapest ticket is $405. The most expensive is 18000 for a divisional round matchup, Cowboys 49ers. It's odd. To, that's crazy. It's odd to me when... Um, straight from StubHub. Santa Clara is like 45 minutes to an hour away yeah. from San Francisco. It's always weird when the team has the name of a city that's that far away. Uh, Buffalo Bills, same way. Orchard Park's probably a good 45 minutes, right? 30, 45 minutes from downtown Buffalo. So I, I know why it happens, but... Um, it's always weird to me. Uh, the Detroit Lions played in Pontiac, Michigan yeah. for years in the Silverdome, which was another place that was 30 to 45 minutes away from Detroit. Of course, now they play downtown. Oh, you've got you know Arizona playing in Glendale. But at least Arizona's not Phoenix. <laughs> right. right. When they changed the name to the Arizona Cardinals, well, they could be anywhere. They could be in Tucson. <laughs> you know, and that, that would make sense. The Carolina Panthers could be in, in any one of two states, uh, and it would make sense. So it's when the name of the city doesn't align with the actual city the games are played in. That always weirds me out a little bit. I understand why. It's still weird. Give me the Bengals outright winners this week over the, the Bills. Again, outkick.com slash bet. Chad, you cashed in with uh, Dylan Taylor, who gave you great advice on a big parlay that I was late to the party on last night. And you guys, what, was it a four or five leg? Hutton got his hair cut and uh, was just completely out out of commission uh, on this. So Dylan gave us one parlay that failed early. So Rutgers was a part of this this parlay against Michigan State. Um, uh, What I did was I doubled down on the second leg of that parlay on Maryland over Michigan minus four and a half, which was very close, but I won on that one. And then Dylan Taylor comes through with an absolute dime of uh, of a (laughs) four-leg parlay last night. And, uh, of course, my internet's not working right now. So um, I'm going to find it eventually. But in the meantime, I'll tell you that it's a lot of mid-major. This is kind of mid-major madness with Dylan Taylor. And the, the, uh, the bets that he gave me, here they are. So last night, Dylan says, take Southern Utah money line against New Mexico State. Okay. Southern Utah won 111-76. to I'm not sure what they were favored by, <laughs> but I bet they covered that spread also, not just the money line. He said, take the over in FIU UTEP. <laughs> the over was 133.5, UTEP 181.61. He said to take the under in USC Arizona. Okay. That was 151.5. That game went under. And finally, La Tech minus three and a half against Western Kentucky. Louisiana Tech won by 12 in that game. So what I did was, you know, being someone who likes to ride a heater 
and likes to think of myself as somewhat intelligent. I'm going to ride the hot hand. I said, Dylan, come up with a winner for us tomorrow. So this has nothing to do with the NFL. But Dylan Taylor's parlay, if you Let's want to, if you want to play I'm the in. hot hand right now, his big money bet of the night. This is the I wouldn't call it a lock, but it's the one that you put the most money on. Richmond minus one and a half at home against crosstown rival VCU. That's his one big bet. Four game parlay. I love this. Buffalo plus five and a half at home against Toledo. Uh, the under one sixty nine and a half in that Buffalo Toledo game. Okay. Villanova St. John's under 151 and a half. And finally, Hutton, Ryder on the money line at home against Niagara. So this will be the first, and if I win, not the last time I place good money on Ryder, Ryder. to win a game. Fair enough. Ryder is, uh, I believe, in Virginia. I know Radford is in Virginia. It they is. were in the tournament last year. I think they were, they were in a championship game at least. Maybe Ryder will be this year. Maybe Ryder's in Jersey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hmm. We're going to find that out now. Worth betting on tonight, though, according to Dylan Taylor. Doesn't matter. You know what? Again, you take know, the Bengals. You know where they are? They're where a win's going to happen tonight because yeah, they're, they're playing home against Niagara, and you don't go to Ryder <laughs> and leave victorious very often. And that's what Niagara's going to find out tonight. John McClain is going to join us in about 25 minutes. We will go through the headlines across the NFL. And coming up, we will kick off our number two. Jersey. With the Ryder. headlines from the job interviews that are taking place with the openings across the NFL, uh, news with the co-offensive coordinator in Michigan, Jaden Rashada and Florida in the headlines today with some newsworthy info to pass along. Plus, the international games across the NFL, the league continues to load up with teams they're sending to Europe. We'll discuss and go through the possible opponents and, oh, Gonzaga. By the way, yeah, they lost. We'll detail it's a rarity. all of that and more next.